0: And welcome back to another episode of Loss of Downs. We are your hosts. I'm Stephen Weed. Don't be fooled by the name here. And he is David Claybin. No Wally today. He's in his sorrows, driving back from Wisconsin, but really he's trying to play with some traffic after his Raiders yesterday. Before I toss it over to David, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market. T A B E A S E. Make sure you use promo called Football for 20% off that order, as well as free shipping. Week two is underneath our belts, David. How was your Sunday and how was your weekend?
1: Weekend was great outside of the Browns ruining my Sunday. Uh, <laughs> everything was uh, pretty pretty status quo. What about you?
0: Got to hang out a little bit with uh, one of the girlfriends, college friends, got way too drunk for the Ohio State game, which shout out to Ohio State. That over was, that was easy. I wish I put my whole mortgage on the over because they covered it themselves. I think I got it at 60 and a half and they OSU had 77 them damn selves. But, Got some wings, got to watch. Didn't really get to miss a lot of football. Usually we'll try to sneak a nap in. I soaked it all in, and there were some damn good games yesterday. You already alluded to one of them, unfortunately. (laughs) But I'm going to sit back and enjoy you uh, trying to talk yourself down the ledge from your Browns yesterday. Let's get it started. NFL news. Let's rip a couple of these Band-Aids off here. Jimmy G is back in the fold. That's right. So unfortunately, Trey Lance, second-year quarterback, has this season ended after only five quarters after a wicked ankle injury, which I'm surprised I haven't seen enough or more of that on Twitter. Thankfully, because it was disgusting when you looked at it, um, facing the complete opposite direction of where it should have. But nonetheless, Jimmy G comes in 154 yards with a touchdown and a rushing touchdown, leads them to a victory 27-7 over the Seattle Seahawks. That deal that this front office made, Makes them look genius. And the NFL is obviously fixed if you haven't noticed by now. What did you think about Jimmy G coming in? And is your perspective changed completely on this team from what we were thinking about in three weeks ago? I don't know about
1: perspective changing completely, but in the limited time I saw, you know, we see Trey Lance, I think he's got potential. Like, I think he's got some kind of star player in him. Maybe not, you know, maybe it won't pan out, maybe it will, but. In the short term, it feels like Jimmy G is the better player, obviously, as of right now. And I think that team probably ends up with maybe a game, maybe two more games of a win uh, in the win column um, over the course of the season. But, you know, the team still stacked on paper, so it doesn't change my perception too much. But to your point earlier, I mean, that that team deal that they made Jimmy G sign is looks phenomenal
0: right now. That was a solid Sunday. Just a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar payday. So he gets a two hundred and fifty thousand if he plays more than twenty five percent of the snaps. An additional hundred k if they get the win. That's way better than my Sunday. I only won like a hundred and seventy bucks off gambling. So. He's going to end up making the
1: same amount of money that he made that he would have made on that contract now that he's going to start the rest of the season. But it also kind of helps the 49ers because now it's like half of its bonus money. And I'm pretty sure that doesn't hit against the cap on them at
0: all. I like what this San Francisco team can do because they didn't really lose that much from last year. What I think that not a lot of people are really talking about is what that locker room is going to be like. A lot of those guys like Jimmy Gene wanted him as the quarterback they understand the whole business aspect of the league, but how excited that team was after he got that rushing touchdown, I think it can completely change the energy in this locker room. And granted, that shitty game in Chicago weather-wise, and then you only had half of the first quarter, if the full first quarter on this. Maybe they weren't really feeling that confident offensively, but now that energy is going to shift here a little bit with Jimmy at quarterback.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But, uh, you know, speaking of, of energy, going to the, the negative side of it, the Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore getting into a scuffle and getting ejected. Probably, I think Mike Evans has been suspended for sure. I don't know about Lattimore.
0: One game um, and he looks like he's going to appeal it for right now.
1: Yeah, but he's going to lose that appeal. I mean, both of them. Yes. Both of them probably deserve a one-game suspension. But they both both teams look terrible. Uh, that game was boring as hell until the fourth quarter, basically. Bucks defense basically wins them the game. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that game?
0: Jameis Winston playing with four broken bones in his back, and it looked obvious, right? Like you said, it was 3-3 for a majority of this game up until this scuffle, and it kind of ignited the Tampa Bay Bucks there a little bit. And then all Jameis does is throw three interceptions on either three consecutive drives or three out of the four next drives to end the game, one of them going for a pick six. This team looked bad, and the only team that looked worse was the Bucks. Tom Brady only had 260 yards. He was screaming out the top of his lungs like it was the first time that he had to babysit seven kids at the same time. I guess 10 in this point. He looked horrible, but Jameis screwed the pooch. Can't turn the ball over against your former team. And Devin White's already throwing some shade at you here week two. One game suspension for Mike Evans is a stretch because he's already done this in the past. He's already gotten suspended one game in 2017 for having a brawl with Lattimore again I don't know why I'm blanking on his name Marshawn Lattimore so why is he only getting one and appealing yeah that's a joke like we have the most video evidence ever of why we're not going to allow you to appeal it is it me or do you think that one game should be maybe two or three since he is a repeat offender to your point I'm kind of
1: shocked it's not a little bit more but I the NFL you know with their new rules if they're deciding to follow him this time I Maybe that's just because they have a history of only giving out a game for something like this. Maybe they're just rolling with it. Kind of like their their decision on Deshaun Watson, the the third party was like, hey, you know, here's the precedence you set. Here's the amount of games you should give them. That's probably what they're kind of going based off of like, hey, it's been a couple years, but you know, here's the precedence for, for getting into a fight mid-game, starting a fight mid-game. Probably. I mean, I just don't. He'll definitely be out of game. I'd be shocked if they let that come down to like a half or something stupid like that.
0: Yeah, I doubt it. And as a Packers fan and who Tampa Bay is going to be playing next week, I really want Mike Evans suspended at least one game. I think that's nice. And I think it's weird. Marshawn didn't really get any doesn't look like he's going to be suspended, no fine, nothing like that. Not that he did a lot, but Mike Evans raised the bar so high in that conflict that I I don't think anything's ever going to come about it with him. Right. That's the NFL news, short and sweet, just like this next segment we have here. We like to call it the meeting that could have been done in an email. These are all the games that you don't really care about hearing, we don't really care about talking about, but we're going to get it through because maybe we're going to have, shout out Steven Cordelli, the Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Drew DeShook, a Colts fan. We can start it right there. The Colts continue to struggle in Jacksonville, losing their eighth straight game in Duval, 24-0 to the Jags. Matt Ryan with three picks, 216 yards of total offense. Fun fact: Trevor Lawrence only has two games in his short NFL career of having multiple touchdowns with zero interceptions. Both those games are against the Colts. Jeez
1: i don't understand these teams i don't understand how the it's it's all mental games at this point which doesn't make sense to me but i don't understand how the colts just cannot beat jacksonville and jacksonville even though they always have the better team i don't understand i i just don't I, eight consecutive exactly. games is just it, it just makes no sense I, I don't know i can't comprehend it but the one thing i will say is i don't know if frank reich's on the hot seat he probably he probably is, uh, but they definitely need to come out firing in at least one of these next three games. That team looks worse than last year with a better quarterback in that offense, and I just don't it – just it's just none, – none, nothing about the Colts, nothing about that game makes sense <laughs> to me. The only thing that I'm starting to think about is what if Doug Peterson actually turns this Jacksonville team into something competitive, and that makes everything really interesting. But Doug Peterson about to have a second statue of himself on the NFL team here soon. Yeah, maybe he's just going around hoping to collect uh, legendary status across the league, Paul Brown stuff. But in equally interesting news, the lovable loser Detroit Lions get their first win of the season and averaging 35.5 points a game now. I did not see that one coming. Didn't think the offense was that good. Goff shined in that game. I think... <laughs> You know, St. Brown looks like a legitimate number one receiver and looks like a top receiver in the league. All of a sudden, it appears like
0: Detroit is a fun team to watch. But what are your thoughts on that game? Basically missing their whole interior offensive lineman due to injuries. If you haven't seen it, we've posted it to our Instagram story. I've already blanked on the lineman's name that Detroit had brought up who has made his first NFL start but been in the league for six years, played a hell of a game in a position he has never played before. So the fact that they're doing this without – not just our starters, all pro caliber starters. You have DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams having great games. Shout out DeAndre Swift and Amaron St. Brown are both of my fantasy teams. My goodness, thank you so much. But you said it. Is Detroit the Kansas City Chiefs of this year? Look at that offense. I'm not going to go as that far, but I like what Dan Campbell's got those boys doing down there to start the season. The Patriots squeak out a win in the T.J. Watt-less Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh offense only putting up two hundred and forty-two yards total. The crowd is already chanting for Kenny Pickett. Is it too early to go to him right now, David? I,
1: I think yes. I hope they do. Frankly, I hope they do because I would love to see them make a terrible decision at quarterback that, you know, sets them even further back as a franchise. But that's my bias speaking out. But I think it's too early for Pickett. You live and die by Trubisky. They should have the whole fan base should have gotten on board with the minute they signed Trubisky. They should have known that you live and die by him. He's either going to give you a, a great game by his standards, which may look like two touchdowns, no turnovers, you know, 250 yards, or he's going to give you a game like he gave you uh, yesterday, which is just eh. You know, it would have been good for a quarterback 30 years ago, but it's it's meh now. You know, it's not going to win you any games, clearly. I don't think Pickett is fully ready. And if he was, Mike Tomlin's a good enough coach to put him in. So you can't listen to this fans, especially in the AFC North. All the fans are extremely biased and reactionary. So I I just think it's still too early. Moving on to the next most boring game of the week, in my opinion, the Giants and Panthers. Giants start 2-0, and which to everyone's surprise. And the Panthers start 0-2. Baker looked terrible throughout Panthers lose two fumbles. And then the most interesting news of the whole game is their number one receiver who is an alarming portion of their cap. And Kenny Galladay only played two snaps all in all my worst game of the week. What are your thoughts, Steven?
0: Yeah. Baker less than 50% completion percentage. Kenny Galladay, like you said, playing two snaps. So he made roughly $10.5 million a snap. Right there, I guess in one game, you'd have to break it down by game. But dude's under $22 million on your cap. He's playing two snaps. You're not playing Kadarius Tony, but somehow you're winning with giving this ball to Saquon five times in the first half for three rushing yards. I like the energy that the New York Giants have. Dayball is just a leader of men right now, and you can just tell in that locker room how they are just reacting and how horrible his dance moves are and how much they are still respecting him based off that. I like their schedule down the road here. They can all of a sudden, Well, we'll see what Cooper Rush and the Cowboys want to act, but maybe they'll become gunning for that second spot in the NFC East. I know we've been talking about that the past couple weeks. The Broncos win their home opener against the Houston Texans 16-9 in ugly, horrific, boring fashion. Russ is also under 50% completion percentage, one touchdown, one interception. He was missing Javante Williams right off the top of my head. I know he's missing that. He was missing a couple throws throughout the day. Jerry, Judy, Pat Sertain were both ruled out of this game about halfway through. Both are going to be listed about day-to-day. Jerry, Judy with the chest and chest, rib, air, sternum. There it is. And then we have uh, Pat Sertain I want to say as a shoulder. that Their day-to-day going to be good to go. 16 points in Russ's first two games. Should we be jumping down their throat quite yet or what the hell's going on in Denver? There, are, A lot of thoughts run through my
1: mind, right? Like, are they still shaking off the rust because they didn't really get a whole lot of time to practice with each other? They didn't Russ didn't play the preseason. Is Russ a system QB who walked into a situation where maybe this isn't the system that's best for him? Or, you know, is he just falling off a cliff? Like I, I, a lot of the way Russell Russell Wilson has played this season, even the second half of last season, just don't like, it's not the quarterback that I remember watching five years ago. I don't really know what's going on with this team, but it starts at Russell Wilson because there's, Way too much talent on that team for them to be such a dud. Even if they're one and one, it just looks, they, they just don't look good. Moving on to what I can't wait for, which is your reaction to the Packers demolishing the bears yet again, coming off a, a rough week one. And now they're asserting their dominance again against their division rival in the bears. What are your
0: thoughts? Aaron Jones, that man. I love that Green Bay is getting him a little bit more acclimated. He only had nine, eight touches last week. You give this dude 18 touches this week. He goes for 170 yards, two touchdowns, one on the ground, one receiving. A.J. Dillon had a pretty solid game, too, just kind of running the clock out here at the end. Defense was looking good on the Green Bay's end. Justin Fields only throws the ball 11 times for 70 yards. He also missed quite a couple of passes there in the game that you're seeing all over Twitter. He also adds an interception. I know that there was a lot of – controversy about the refs did he cross the plane on that first down everyone's basing it off of the circle that chris collinsworth put on the telecast you you can clearly not see that football yet i i do kind of think that it it did cross i wanted it to because i took the over but green bay gets back on track that's all that i can ask for about my packers the last one Good teams win, great teams cover. And that's exactly what the Atlanta Falcons did on the back end with the Rams, yes, won 31-27 after a late comeback push for the Atlanta Falcons here. The Rams just dominated this whole game. Shout out to Jalen Ramsey, mossing. That's right, a DB mossed a receiver for an interception in the end zone to seal the game here. Okay, LA's got a game underneath their belt or a win underneath their belt. Are you feeling any more confident in them after this win or is it just them beating up on a lesser opponent? I can't really tell. For me,
1: I think I have all the faith in the Rams. It felt like they were this team last year where they were living they were living or dying by the turnover battle. Stafford would throw two interceptions or one interception a game, and their defense would have two takeaways and they'd win. or if Stafford threw three interceptions, they'd either lose or play a real close one. Uh, and it just felt like another game and like that from last season. but, I think the most interesting thing is how well the Falcons are playing, who I would have assumed wouldn't win more than three games this year. And now I'm wondering, like, do they have the firepower? They definitely don't have the defense to hold teams to low scoring games, but do they have the firepower to win five or six games this year, which is double what I would have had them,
0: or what I think I did have them. Yeah, we were pretty rough on them, but for them to kind of flip the script of blowing such a big lead to New Orleans the week before to – Yes, I know you didn't come all the way back to win, but you are facing a way better team, if not the top team in the NFC. You're looking at a top two or three team and the reigning Super Bowl champs. So to, to come back like that, you know you have a little bit of something, and to your point, you can feel more comfortable with the talent that you have in that locker room knowing that what you're able to produce. You just got to be able to execute a little bit better. And I think I think the Falcons may screw us on a couple more bets here. Well, I, not me. I took them Falcons plus 10 and a half and one on the double-digit spread so far this year. Got I don't even want to low. talk about
1: the betting. I think I'm like oh for a million on every – I think literally everything I said was wrong.
0: <laughs> well, good, because that's on Thursdays. We have a couple more days to kind of sulk in that a little bit, just like Wally sulking in the Raiders' loss right now. Have to give my punches in while I can since he's not here. <laughs> that, that's going to wrap us up on all the games you don't care about here and we don't care about talking about. Let's get into the week two recaps. Before I toss it to the first game, we want you to know this week's Week two recap is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're David and I's age where there's college graduations, engagements, weddings, baby pictures, you name it. Feels like they're happening every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on her Instagram, and Sapphire Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. On Sunday, David, there were three teams that won their games when at one point in the game, they had a less than 2% chance of winning. We're not going to dive into that. Let's get the Thursday night game before we get into Heartbreak Hotel over here. Thursday night, Kansas City wins on a late pick six to get them to start 2-0 while they beat the Los Angeles Chargers. For the most part, I thought the Chargers controlled this game very well. Brandon Staley not going for it on fourth down in less than two, three separate times in the first half. I thought they turned a new leaf. Boy, was I wrong. Justin Herbert looked great. Yes, they were without Keenan Allen. But Mike Williams, hello. Also, have him on my fantasy team. I must be a fucking guru. That's all I got to say. At the end of the day, it looks like the Chiefs defense stood up, picking the ball off. I want to say the seven-yard line because Gerald Everett was a lazy piece of shit on that route. I'm just going to say it. Well, the Chiefs all of a sudden starting 2-0, getting a nice little bump in that in that West division. Is Kansas City about to take over with all the uncertainty of the rest of the division right now? I don't know. I think
1: Kansas City is Kansas City. They're, I think they showed how good they were even without Tyreek Hill by beating the Chargers. And to your point, the Chargers felt like they were in control most of that game. Yeah. Herbert looked amazing. Mahomes looked amazing. Both teams were playing unbelievably. I think – What's interesting and uh, what you brought up is is Staley passing on on fourth and short three times kind of felt like that might have been a mistake. I don't know if it was maybe they wouldn't have gotten it and and the Chiefs would have used it and scored two more times out of the three times or depending on the field position. But I just feel like going away from your I guess you know what you're used to what you what you usually do your typical strategy is is kind of maybe not so great because, I mean, Staley is an analytical coach. So the reason he goes for it is because statistically you're going to get it more often than not, and the times you're not aren't going to make up for, like punting the ball isn't going to make up for the lost points and going for it, yeah. hypothetically. I don't know. I just – I think this is kind of how I expected game to go somewhat where the it's a shootout, Chiefs pull out because they're just the better team. But I have Kansas City winning the division regardless, but the Chargers, I mean, they look – good they look really good and if they play like yeah. that against any other team in the league they beat 99 of them
0: well they're getting these games out early right this is going to be that learning curve of okay now i need to realize i need to be a little bit more aggressive you gotta know when to go for it and when not to the second game of the season you have to go for it and i get it that was more or less your identity down the road and what kind of shot you in the foot here down the road of not making the playoffs and losing that thriller to the chiefs in the last thursday night game I mean, you just got to go. You got to trust your young quarterback, Justin Herbert. They were getting it done time and time again. Why not just keep going? Because you went for fourth downs and got him picked up later in the game. And I get it. That's going to change it. It's a little bit different. Shout out to Justin Herbert because that one play where what he had broken rib cartilage. So it's not a complete break of the rib, more or less of the cartilage. This dude was clearly in pain, wincing, couldn't throw the ball, comes back next play like a 35-yard ball right on the rope. This dude is amazing, and I cannot wait for these matchups. I'm already waiting for the next Chiefs, Chiefs Chargers matchup or really any matchup within within the division because now it's going to start heating up a little bit this early in the season with the Chiefs having just that little bit edge to start it off. <sighs> Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush, undefeated Cowboys quarterback. This This dates back to a game against Minnesota last year, if you remember that one. Minnesota was supposed to be the clear favorite. This was the time that Kirk Cousins got that primetime monkey off his back. Nope. Cooper Rush came in and ruined it. Did the exact same thing to Joe Burrow and the Bengals here this week. A couple things here. Bengals offensive line looks horrible. We were already talking about it off camera. They have given up 13 sacks through the first two games, and they arguably have way more talented players on that offensive line. Micah Parsons is a man-possessed. Already had 17 sacks through his first 18 games, which is an NFL record, beating any other great linebacker that you can think of. But I want to save the Bengals' offensive woes for what you were doing because you're bringing up some great points here. But is Cooper Rush about to start a quarterback controversy in Dallas, David? God, he might,
1: but for all the wrong reasons. It might be right. is Dak really worth this contract when it's all said and done? But no, <laughs> yep. I think Dak's the better quarterback, but I, the Bengals are really confusing me, man. They're in a Super Bowl hangover and it's hard. And Joe Burrow does not look like the same quarterback, even though he's taking very similar pressure to last year. Part of me thinks it's it's the coaching. They I, I read a stat that they didn't attempt a single pass over 30 yards in the first two games, I think it was. So of this season, they haven't attempted a single pass over 30 yards. Last season, they did that multiple times a game. And they had Joe Burrow technically had a worse offensive line all of last season. Yes. So I'm, I don't really understand. I, you know, I also read that maybe the defenses are playing a little bit deeper because they know that those receivers can go deep, but at the same time, it just doesn't every, you know, Joe Burrow, what is it? Five interceptions through, through two games is I, it just, something's not clicking, right? Like I don't, he's still an elite quarterback, but just something is off. And it's it, the only thing I have is it's a Super Bowl hangover.
0: What I've been seeing a lot of, and there's a lot of people, obviously, on Twitter, talk about that's where the analytics live, the analytic people live. You have your next-gen stats, you have your PFF, you have all that stuff, and apparently there's been an uptick in a lot of cover, two that they're playing against Joe Burrow, which caused them to throw the four interceptions and have five total turnovers last week. Well, one was a fumble, so more or less the four interceptions in the first half, Pittsburgh was playing, I want to say, just under 30% in cover two when they didn't sniff half of that percent while playing it last year. Is it really that easy just for a cover two? Even though the guy's young, we think he's elite and it's a lot easier said than done. But cover two, it feels like it's it's almost a defensive formation you want to stay away from with these elite guys because they can just pit pocket you. What is going on with Joe Burrow? Why is he not able to grasp that? I guess not grasp is a little bit harsh word, but.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Again, that's where I go back to coaching, right? So you know your quarterback's realistically you should be showing your quarterback every defensive package your opponent has coming into the week. You know, you can, you can rely heavy on historical figures, right? What have the Steelers done last year? They're going to run, let's say it's cover one 80% of the time. So you show them in practice 80% of your plays cover one, and then you show him what all the other packages look like. Right. But I can't believe that Gerald Burrow is struggling with cover two because he can't read it it feels more like either bad play calling and he just hasn't he's too young to call his own plays or or you know know that offense as well as you know let's say Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy where he was running the whole offense in audibles or like a Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or like any of those unbelievable quarterbacks just feels like maybe he's too young to start ripping off a whole new offense under center there were calls for um What's his face to be fired? Todd Zach Taylor Wood- already. Zach Taylor. So it's about to call him Zach Johnson. That's the golfer. Uh, no, Zach Taylor. There were calls for him to be fired at the beginning of last season because he just his his whole offense was was stale. They weren't being aggressive. They were whatever, right? And you know he saved his job obviously by making it to the Super Bowl. But part of me still believes that he's just not the right fit in Cincinnati. And frankly, as long as Burrow is on that rookie deal, they don't really have a lot of time to waste with. Bad coaching.
0: Hot take. If the Bengals miss the playoffs, they fire him and get Sean Payton instead of Dallas.
1: That would be an unbelievable combination, and I would cry myself to sleep if Joe Burrow (laughs) or Sean Payton got another top five quarterback in the NFL for his next coaching tenure.
0: So the Bengals dropped to 0-2. We're going to get a little bit into it um, at the end here about some other 0-2 teams. Miami, Baltimore, New Orleans, Atlanta. Who? Like you were saying, that, that defense is actually playing surprisingly decent. Yes, letting up points, but kind of put the hankering down when they need to. And then Cleveland, over the next five weeks, they could not afford to lose another one of these games. Miami's hot. Baltimore's a division foe. Cleveland, you cannot beat Cleveland. Joe Burrow has not beaten Cleveland since coming to Cincinnati. And you never know what you can get out of New Orleans and Atlanta. Could this yeah, team be going I- sticks by the by the end of
1: October? I don't think they're gonna be 0-6, but Miami, Baltimore. I mean, to be 0-2 and, and and go into those back to back is brutal. I mean, that's brutal. Both those teams are legitimate, as they both proved yesterday. But you know, New Orleans, Atlanta, those are those are winnable games. Cleveland's a winnable game for them. I just Miami, Baltimore, that's tough. That is really tough to go into those games 0-2. So it'll definitely be interesting. I don't think they start 0-6, but if they don't, they have to beat, they have to win week three. Like that's a must win game. Yes. For them to turn the season around and they have to make a statement in winning that game.
0: And they have to have some sort, lack of a better term, I guess, some sort of confidence going in. Cause yes, Miami, they came back and won, but man, that whole that defense had some holes in it against Lamar Jackson. And They have to be excited to be able to exploit that. Maybe they can finally have time to create a 30-plus yard pass down the field for once. So, you know, Jamar Chase only had – I think he ended with 35 at the end of the first half. They're going to be hungry to get him going, get T. Higgins going, Tyler Boyd, get the ball to Joe Mixon, and really get this offense to start humming because they started off lackluster and it's been rough. Let's rip the Band-Aid off, David. Your Cleveland Browns blow a 13-point lead to the New York Jets with under two minutes left, 155 to Joe Flacco and them J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. Joe Flacco, 300-plus yards of four touchdowns. Garrett Wilson having a coming-out party, eight receptions for 102 and two touchdowns. This has to be, if not the worst, one of the worst collapses in in Brown's history. Where does this rank for you? And does it sting a little bit more knowing Garrett Wilson, the former Ohio State Buckeye, doing this to his former college team just two hours north up in Cleveland? Does it sting a little bit more watching that happen? No, I mean,
1: I I was a big advocate prior to us getting Deshaun Watson and trading away all of our draft picks. I was a huge advocate for trying to get Garrett Wilson in the draft because that's the type of receiver we really needed. And – if he can do this with Joe Flacco, that man's going to be special. That being said, the Browns, yet again, embarrass me in extra special ways. I don't think this ranks is probably a, a top five embarrassing collapse for the Browns, but there's so many other just horrific moments in the history. And even just the last 20 years that I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure it's the worst collapse in Browns history, but it feels that way. But for those of you who didn't catch the worst game of all time in the final minute and 55 seconds, the Browns missed an extra point, allowed a wide open 65 yard touchdown on blown coverage. And they did not uh, so even
0: look like they were trying to cover him. There's a no, like,
1: oh, he's right there. Straight blown coverage. And it's John Johnson almost every time they have blown coverage. And it, it like makes me so angry. Cause he's like one of, he's supposed to be one of the top safeties in the league, but I feel like every time we have a blown coverage, it's him that's supposed to be covering over the top. But neither here or there, You
0: called that. Yeah. You called that too. You're like, well, John Johnson's good for one blown coverage a game, so I expect the Jets to score at least. A, at it, least it's a annoying
1: that it's it's happening because it's him. Like, it's, it's him most of the time. Other times it's cornerbacks just, you know, not being able to cover, doing a bad job covering. But for him, it is every time we've had a blown coverage, it is almost always him. And it kills me. But anyways – so so he blows his coverage, 66-yard touchdown. Then somehow we give up an onside kick, which is the second one we've given up in, I think one of my buddies told me, in the last 10 games, which I bet you if you go to almost any other franchise, they give up an onside kick like once every six years. We're here giving them up like once a season. So Making history, you know, baby. special teams blows that. And then, you know, Joe Flacco, who hasn't been elite since his Super Bowl run, Uh, runs train on the Browns for another 55-yard drive and and winning touchdown. And then Jacoby Brissett throws one of the worst interceptions I've seen in recent memory into double coverage, forcing a ball in there to seal it. Now, all of those good teams, good teams, good franchises don't have all of this shit happen to them. Like, in fact, the last team to do it, which is shocking, I know, is the Browns in 2001 against the Bears to give up 14 points in two minutes to end the game. Again, not sure where it ranks all time. And, and worse. the fact that I know it's happened before in the last 21 years makes me think that it's probably not top five because I'm probably forgetting about some horrific collapses from the Browns. But this is definitely up there for of my recent memory. I'm also not really that trigger happy with firing Joe Woods. You know, our defense efficiency was like, I think, top seven in the NFL last year. Yeah, it's been a rough start. Like, they can't stop a nosebleed right now. Again, I think that's partially on player execution and maybe partially on play on, on play calling from Joe Woods. I just have a really tough time getting Trigger having to be like, fire the defensive coordinator, fire the special teams coach. It's like, okay, and then who are we replacing them with? Who's out there you're going to go get that's better? Like, who's out there that's not going to change up the whole chemistry of the defense that is going to run a defense that fits the the players on the roster? Like, I'm not trigger happy. If by the bye week, the Browns are still giving up fucking 25 points a game, then yeah, let's have a discussion about uh, firing Joe Woods. But in the meantime, I don't think that's the right reaction. Just like I don't think firing coaches is the right reaction unless you're the Jaguars with Urban Meyer. But That's another discussion for another time.
0: Or 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 Arizona State firing Herm Edwards right on the right on the field after the game. Not even waiting till the day after. Just does it right on the field.
1: Yeah, but uh, no. Moral of the story: Browns shoot themselves in the face. They deserve the boos they got. And oh, by the way, Batonio, after Miles said that you know he wasn't a fan of the fans booing, Batonio is like, this game bothered me more than the fans. Like, I, I don't care about them booing, right? But Again, not here for the reactionary firings unless things don't turn around midseason. It's just, God, it's an embarrassing team to be associated with recently. Really, in my entire life,
0: but especially recently. Is this worse than the the kick six against the Ravens to closing on Monday night? God, oh, no. No.
1: It's, it, God, I don't know. That's so, there's just so many, there's just so many bad bad memories of the Browns that I try to black them out and I can't. This one definitely stings because I actually, you know what? It's definitely worse than that because it's the Jets and the Jets are an equally horrific franchise that have a pretty good roster right now and are figuring things out, but the Browns should be 10 steps ahead of them. This shouldn't have been a close game. The game should have ended 30 to to 17
0: or whatever it was. I'm bitter about the whole scenario. So a lot of people on Twitter are freaking out about, They thought that Nick Chubb, instead of scoring to go up 30 to 29 17 before the extra point, or no, sorry, to go up 30, 30 to 17, that Nick Chubb should have just went down on the one yard line. And people are almost putting blame to that being like, well, he's done in the past. Why didn't he do it here? He's wrong, even though he's been grilled in the past. What is your stance on the whole Nick Chubb should have have went down or are you okay with him scoring?
1: I think it's so dumb that's even a conversation. Like if the only way him going down at the one makes sense is if there's a minute left and him scoring puts us up by like one point on Aaron Rodgers, then stop it, run down the clock and get in the end zone and, and make sure that you're not giving enough time left to have a quarterback run it back and hit a game winning drive. But like a minute 55 left, you're up by 13 points. If he scores, he did nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. You should never, ever, ever expect a team to score two touchdowns on you in less than two minutes. That is all defensive failure. That is special teams failure. That is not a Nick Chubb failure because he didn't foresee the Browns defense and special teams being high school caliber for the last two minutes of the game. Like, I, I, this is why I I struggle with Browns fans because the whole fan base is just so reactionary as if we've won – as if we have a reason to be right. Like as if we have this status (laughs) of winning the last 25 years that like suddenly we have a horrific event happen as if it hasn't happened before. And now it's like fire everyone. It's, it's, it's our favorite player's fault. Like get out of here. Just (laughs) understand that team sucked for two minutes and it's not one guy's fault. It's like a collective everyone's fault, but no, I I just think Nick Chubb made the right decision. He scored. I would have him do it all over again. The only thing I would change is special teams of defense in that whole game.
0: Some Browns fans somewhere named their dog after Nick Chubb, and now they're just like, fuck, I did – fuck this dude. Why did I name my dog after him? Yeah, that's the Browns reactionary fan base. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll move on here to the next game, the best game of the weekend. This might be the best game of the year. It's only in week two. We have the Miami Dolphins going to Baltimore and mounting a comeback by scoring 28 points in the fourth quarter. So Baltimore led this game 28-7.5, to 35-14, to heading into the fourth quarter. This is right after Lamar Jackson was torching this defense. I mean, he's the only quarterback in NFL history to have a 75-yard touchdown pass and a 75-yard touchdown run in the same game. And he set a record for himself. It was a 79-yarder right there to end the third quarter. You thought this game was done. All of a sudden, Tua, Tyreek, Jalen Waddle happen. Tua ends up with 469 yards, six touchdowns. Tyreek and Waddle become the first wide receiving duo in the NFL to have over 11 receptions with over 150 yards and two touchdowns ever to happen. Tyreek with 11, 190 and two. Waddle with 11, 171 and two. And Lamar, you know what? For all the slack, me and you are the prime suspects. The one that dog Lamar the most, he made some great throws. He did miss a couple. I am going to give him that. But he has been making some good throws this year against, yeah, some wide open coverages, some with some pretty tight coverages. I can truly say I've never looked at a game because we've watched so many football games where you're like, you know what? I can feel this team coming back. Oh, no, I feel like they have something cooking up. And the whole time I was like, man, Miami's fucked. I don't even know why they're still in this game. And they just kept coming back and back. What did you think about Miami's 28-point fourth quarter? Does this take any way from what Baltimore was doing that whole game?
1: I have a couple takeaways, right? So, one, if Tua can play even remotely this well, like even within the ballpark of this well over the course of the season, I'm I'm a little intimidated by the Dolphins because that's – That'll be a really interesting team. I don't think he can. Uh, I've been pretty outspoken nice. against Tua. But, I mean, six touchdowns, 400 and however many yards, 450 or something like that, uh, 470. 470 and six touchdowns, slouch quarterbacks don't don't put up those numbers. And, you know, there have maybe been a handful of times where average non-elite quarterbacks put up those numbers, right? Like, let's put it that way. I mean, Mr.
0: Biskey's uh, had a five or six touchdown game. Nick Foles has had a six touchdown game. And I think I'm missing right. someone else too.
1: But but 470 yards. You're 50 yeah. yards away from the 50, – 57 yards away from the NFL record, I think. Like, that's, that's unbelievable. I, I just – if he can play even remotely that well, the Dolphins are going to be a really strong team, probably a playoff team. But the other takeaway, I think, is I'm kind of shocked by the Ravens. So – Harbaugh isn't like he I I wouldn't call him an elite coach, but he's he's second tier, right? Like he is an unbelievable coach and he creates a really, really good winning culture in Baltimore. What's really weird about the Ravens is it felt like, to your point, you go into half and it's like the Dolphins are screwed. They're not the team we thought they were. Baltimore looks like they're poised to win the division, whatever. And then they come in a half and the Ravens don't make any sense on defense at all. They went from, like, a crisp, clean, dominating football team to confusing blitz calls, blown coverages, sloppy football on defense. Like, it's like the defense came out in the second half and said, oh, yeah, there's no way we lose this game. Like, man, I'm going to coast this one out. And they got their asses kicked in the second half. I'm just wondering what that mentality looks like, right? Well, How does the coaching staff go into – you know, the weekend or, or I guess not the weekend, but go into this week. And like, how do you, how do you correct that mindset? Cause it really did feel like they kind of told themselves they won the game at halftime and then it's, they like coasted the rest of the game in comparison. But last but not least, I think Mike McDaniel, this game alone probably solidifies him into coach of the year candidacy. And probably this game alone wins it if the dolphins win eight or nine plus games. He's got this offense looking 10 times better. I know they have more talent, but it looks 10 times better than it did previously. And I thought Flores did a great job previously and shouldn't have been fired, but damn, this Mike McDaniel looks
0: unbelievable in Miami right now. I like that comment because, as someone who took a future bet in Mike McDaniel's two win coach of the year, I'm liking that energy to start off the NFL season here. To to Baltimore, right? You did great, and then you just choked it away to that point I don't I don't think you as coach as a coaching staff you don't need to get them mentally prepared make them watch the film over and over again it's like whoever wants to feel like this again that's what i thought these are this is a great game and all three of these games are great games of you play the full 60 minutes you can't play 48 you can't play 40 you can't play 30 you got to play the full 60 minutes and this is why we are professional athletes and we will cook you If you want a good laugh, go watch. Uh, Someone flipped the highlight videos of the Tua or of the Dolphins Ravens. So it it looks like Tua's throwing right-handed, and it's hilarious, by the way. For some reason, it looks a lot more fluid. But, man, I've been very high on the Dolphins all year and how I think how explosive they are. But, my goodness, I mean, I'm not going to go anywhere and say this – they can be like the Chiefs offense. I, I'll say that. I'm not I'm not already stating that they are, but man, oh, man, that was a very flashy glimpse that they just showed of what they can be and where their ceilings at right now because that's scary. I mean, you score three touchdowns in like a seven-minute span. I think you, Tyreek got two touchdowns off two targets in the fourth quarter. I mean, my God, I think 40-80 yarder and he got like a 60-yarder too. This game was filled with it. Not including, I, we didn't even talk about how the game started—a hundred and three-yard kickoff return for a touchdown by Devin Duvernay. I mean, from the literal second it started to the literal second it stopped. So I think Tua scored with what, a couple minutes left or a minute left. This game was nonstop. Mm-hmm. I wish I took the over, but man, that Miami money line—I'm looking like a fucking genius, David. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> the last game of the week. Man, I really wish Wally was here because I know he's going to, he's going to, let's fuck up a lot on this. So when he edits it, he has to continually hear us talk about how the Raiders fucked up. Because <laughs> the Raiders took a 20 nothing halftime lead, a 23, it was 20 to nothing with eight minutes left in the third quarter, 23 to seven in the fourth quarter. They lose to Arizona in overtime after Hunter Refro fumbles the ball. And my man Murphy. Scoops it up, scores, almost lets it go before he, he hits the end zone. And then Kyler Murray gets slapped by a Vegas fan, but we'll get to, we'll get into that here a little bit after. The Raiders started their opening drive off strong. Nice scripted plays, as people like to call it. You have Devontae Adams there. You got you got both receptions on that drive and a touchdown. Then you don't see him for the rest of the game. Darren Waller had a great game, but Kyler Murray in that second half was something else especially when he ran 88 yards combined just for that two-point conversion there in the fourth quarter. What were your takeaways for how Arizona rose from the depths of being 18 feet under, not even six, three times the amount, and what are your takeaways about what the fuck the Raiders are doing? Look, I'm gonna
1: be honest. This is one of those games I didn't tune in until like until the end of the fourth quarter because the entire duration of the game I was like, "Oh yeah, Raiders got this one in the bag." Ain't no way that that they could possibly lose this one. And That's the second you, time
0: you made that mistake yesterday.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a wonderful concept of teams that I root for always failing me in the end. Maybe I maybe I should start rooting for the Chiefs or something and see you know you see what happens with my uh, with my karma or my luck, but. No, I, I, I turned the game on and, you know, I'm following in the game cast a little bit, but, you know, you turn – God, what game ended and led to this? But, it, you know, another game ends, this game comes on, all of a sudden you're like, wait, what the hell happened? Like, it's a tie ball game, we're going into overtime, and, God, I feel bad for Hunter Renfro because he got clocked to fumble that ball to the point where, like, I think at the end of the game after they scored the game-winning score in overtime – like everyone's on the field and Renfro's still down with people like with the medical staff around him. And I was kind of like, holy shit, like I, I feel bad for the guy. He got rocked. Like most guys don't bumble unless you, you know, he got rocked. But I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this game because I didn't watch enough of it. I, I wish Wally was here to tell me about how the Raiders failed him, you know, spiritually, emotionally, physically, uh, however you wanna lay it out. But I just didn't watch enough of this game to to understand. What the hell happened to the Raiders? So you tell
0: me, what are your thoughts? Incrementally in that first quarter, like, okay, you know, they they put they put together the scoring drive to start it off. Arizona cannot get anything going. Kyler doesn't look good. The offensive line is just getting dismantled by Chandler Jones and and Max Crosby. Max Crosby was having a hell of a game to start it off. They put some drives here. Maybe they should have scored six instead of settling for three, but they just didn't get Devontae the ball. You go from overfeeding this dude to making him obese to then starving him in the next game. I mean, and you can even see it in on the the third or fourth down in the overtime and Devontae's wide open and Derek Carter just misses him. Devontae's just frustrated. I loved it because on the Packers Twitter, man, they were having a field day because Green Bay was getting it last week with what Devontae's game was doing and how bad the Green Bay offense looked. they got to kind of flip the script here a little bit, but you got to get Devontae the ball. I liked how the offense looked for Vegas. I'd argue they looked better this week than they did last week, just in terms of how Derek Carr was spreading the ball out. But man, he just, hasn't been able to get it done. He's either spreading it out or force feeding and, and turning the ball over. There's no in between. He needs to find that. And then the Raiders, the Raiders defense just has to be better on the back end here. But now they're also 0-2. The Cardinals popping back up to that 1-1. and That was a must win for them. But now you have the Raiders in that 0-2 hole with Tennessee, Denver, and Kansas City back-to-back. Houston, who is surprising people right now. And then you have New Orleans, too, that keeps popping up on these games. Is it time to hit that panic button in Vegas right now? I don't think so. I mean, Tennessee, Denver – Kansas city is a,
1: that's, that's probably a loss. Uh, sorry, Wally, but um, oh, he knows it. Tennessee, Denver, Houston, new Orleans. Those are all winnable games for the Raiders. Those are, I mean, they could go four and one over that stretch and it looks like a whole different season from what it looks like now. I, I don't think you hit the panic button. I think you just have to, you know, you got to figure out, you got to figure out the balance. Now that Derek Carr has an elite number one receiver, you got to figure out the balance between forcing the ball to him and and spreading it around to your point earlier you know game one gave him all the food like fed him all game long maybe i don't know again i didn't watch enough of the game to tell maybe arizona you know double covered him all game long triple covered him who knows but i think they're gonna work they gotta find the balance defeating their their players because you got quite the star studded offense there between waller adams and even renfro's a, a baller in the slot so I, I think they're just working on their balance, but next five games, I think they go, I, they could go four and one so easily. And I wouldn't be shocked.
0: Well, based off what we saw, they, I could see them going zero and four one and four during the stretch. Cause Tennessee we'll, we'll see what Tennessee looks like. They're, they always seem to be that team. When we count them out, they just upset people. They did it all last year. They didn't really look too good here in the, in week one against the New York giants, but we'll see how Mike Fable has them going. Denver, there's nothing I can trust in Denver right now. But the, the mere fact that you have two other divisional games within the first, I guess, what would this be, the first five weeks, you need to win against Denver and Kansas City, regardless of what you do for t- Tennessee. Because if say you lose those, say you go one and three over the next. That means that you're one in what one in five, one and four with an 0 and 3 divisional record. Good luck with facing those three on the back end. Cause I I just can't see how it's gonna fare positively for you here. So we've talked about the 0-2 teams. So the 0-2 teams have an 11.3 chance of making the playoffs. Now, the playoffs did expand here in 2020. We haven't seen an 0-2 team start, or start 0-2, and, and make the playoffs. That's two-year sample size. So I don't want to take too much out of it. But you have the Raiders, Bengals, Panthers, Falcons, all 0-2. And and then you have the winless Houston Texans. And so let's just take them out. And then you have the Indianapolis Colts 0-1-1. If you're putting your money on a team out of these two, make that push for that wild card spot. Who are you taking out of these teams?
1: Bengals and Raiders are the only teams who who can possibly make it to the playoffs uh, that are zero two. Or I don't even think uh, Wally and and he'll yell at me if I put word in his mouth. I, the Colts are probably his bet over you know the Raiders because his he's taking the Texans over the Raiders. But he's so uh, damn
0: pessimistic.
1: I don't don't know. The the Colts look worse than the Raiders and look terrible. And yeah, they might be in a worse division, but let's say, let's say the Raiders pull out a four and one record out of their next five games. I mean, they're right in the the division. The the Broncos don't look right. Chargers look great, but you know, you have to question whether Herbert's going to be healthy enough to, to maintain a high level of play for the duration of that injury until he's healed or what if he gets hit and he's out for a while. Right that's a worst case. You know, there's a lot of things that could play into the Raiders' favor if they they turn it around. The Bengals, I think, are probably a, I'll still say they're probably a lock-in for the playoffs. And I just, I have a hard time betting against Joe Burrow. That's why, like, especially in this division, I don't think the Browns are a playoff team. I think they're a team that wins nine, maybe 10 games, but ends up, you know, I think Ravens and Bengals end up taking one of the two end up taking the division. The other one comes in second place. It's a wild card spot, but those are the only two teams I have faith in the Colts. Guess you could say they could win the division, but man, they have
0: looked terrible. So I, I mean, if they win the if if Tennessee loses tonight, they're not that far off. Cause yes, they're tied with Houston. Then they're only one game behind Jacksonville. Yes. Jacksonville would be the leader in the division if Tennessee loses tonight.
1: Yeah. Which is crazy. And, and Houston looks good too, right? Like, Houston tied them week one. I, Houston looks good. They don't look great, but they look good enough. To that compete defense looks every decent. Week. Right. Like they look good enough to compete every week. And, you know, if they pull one from Tennessee, you know, they tied the Colts. If they pull one from Jacksonville, you, you have to wonder what the division looks like. I just I don't think the Colts are a lock to win it anymore, even though they're the best team in that division. And it's it's pretty clear.
0: I think the Bengals and Raiders are the obvious answers and I'm kind of torn on who I would put my money on right now just because of the division matchups right now for the Raiders. They need to get right now. They need to get right yesterday. Well, that's usually a figure of speech, but you know what I mean. But they have Denver and Kansas City. You can't split that. You have to go 2 and 0 within that two game stretch. And with with the Bengals I, I guess I'd put my money a little bit more on them because they they also need to win now. I'd argue more than the Raiders just because they're playing Miami. And then you have Baltimore and Cleveland within there too. But you're going to have more uh, one or two more divisional games here down the stretch when you guys can get a little bit more right, a little bit better. So I like the Bengals in that sense. But, man, the Raiders, it's, it's tough. The Lukashensky household is hurting right now between Wally and his dad – for Raiders and Bengals fans, they got to be crying each other to sleep just holding them. Holding oh yeah, it's other. the
1: total opposite of how you expected the seasons to start for the both of them. Like, if the Raiders were you know one and one, sure that makes sense. The Bengals zero oh, and two makes no sense. I had them for sure winning their first two games, and you know they're they're losing to a teams without quarterbacks now. Doesn't make sense.
0: With that, that is going to bring us to an end of another episode of loss of down. Make sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at loss of down and Twitter down underscore lost shout out to all of our sponsors tabbies.com. Make sure you use promo code football for 20% off that order as well as free shipping and Abby Turner creative at abbyturnerphoto.com. David, do you have any parting words? Any uh, Captain hindsight bets you want to make right now when people hear it tomorrow?
1: Yeah, next week when we make bets, just do the exact opposite of everything I predict and win money.
0: <laughs> it's going to it's gonna even up. It's going to even up. It's gambling, baby. We're going to get it right. I got the same game parlay in with a couple touchdown scores and Minnesota plus two and a half. I got the Bills money line. Stefan touchdown. Derrick Henry touchdown. Someone else 15 and win like 370. I'm trying to make it a good Monday and eat wings for free. <laughs> Until next time, we'll make sure to have Wally and, Hopefully he, has a, hopefully he has the clown makeup on because he's looking like a goober right now. Until next time, he is David, I am Steven. We are lost and down.